Welcome everyone to part five of the Great Real Estate Reset of 2021. As promised in this session, what I'm gonna be talking about predominantly is growth. How to build that empire, what you've gotta do, how to step out of the gambling and into the certainty. Because when you have certainty around uh, what you're doing and you start to implement things like the grid variance analysis, which is a fabulous strategy that I, uh, it, it's wholly mine. It's, it's in, it is uh, my IP, uh, I have, have trademarked it and it's something that, that will really step you up in the investing game because what it does is it teaches you where you have to invest to make the most money out of manufactured growth. Now, I'm sure everyone listening wants to know exactly uh, you know, where they should be investing to make the most money. Well, grid variance analysis actually does that for you. But then you've got to combine that with a feasibility study and an accurate feasibility study that takes into account things like GST and sensitivity analysis and enables you to be able to do reverse feasibilities so that you can work out not just, not just where, but what to invest in, which property and what strategy is gonna make you the most money as well. So I cover all of that in, in this little session now, and I actually share with you some amazing stories of some of my students and how quickly they can turn things around and start to create some serious coin uh, in relatively short spaces of time. So listen up, you're gonna enjoy it. Uh, and if you'd like to see any of the videos, um, you know, my slides and everything else of the actual deals that some of these people are doing, then you can always head to my website www.ilovereelestate.tv and you can pick up on video form on there and watch all of these. So enjoy, I'll see you on the other side. So why isn't everybody doing this? Why do people get it so wrong? Because they do not invest in themselves. They do not follow a formula. They don't follow the three fundamentals or the nine multipliers. They get out there and they do things like negative gearing. Negative gearing is tax-driven poverty. Just think about this. You're buying a property on purpose to lose money. That's what you're doing. You're buying a property on purpose to lose money. Now, why would you do that? You wouldn't go and buy a coffee shop that's losing money. Why would you buy a property that loses money? You're hoping it's going to go up in value. But that's a gamble. You've got no guarantees of that. And you go, oh, but I can claim it on my tax. Sure, you can. But you know what you claim? For every dollar that you're losing you get back, say, 30 cents thereabouts. So you're not, even, you're not even getting your full dollar back. You're losing 70 cents in every dollar. You guys should have jumped out of bed this morning going, yes, I'm paying tax. Who did that? I bet you didn't. But if you're not paying tax, you're not losing, you're not earning any money. You've got to actually make money out of what you do. If you ever have a dream of replacing your income or quitting your job or retiring or anything, you've got to start creating profits. And negative gearing is a loss. It's not a profit. It's a loss. It's dumb. It is stupid. If you want to be enslaved into your job for the rest of your life, by all means, do it. You might get some capital gain down the track. But because they're in your own name, you're going to have to sell it and pay the higher capital gains tax because it happens to be in your name. Whereas if you buy it through a trust and it's positively geared, you can, you can put the capital gain wherever you need to for tax purposes. You win every way. I've done the calculations over and over again. And, you know, when the Labor government was trying to bring in 
um, the uh, negative abolish negative gearing the last election, which is why they lost last, last election. This stuff, you know, came out. This is the the percentage of ordinary people that are out there negative gearing. Four percent of cleaners, ten percent of journalists, twenty twelve uh, percent of nurses, thirteen percent of legislators, fourteen percent of teachers, twenty three percent of policemen, twenty eight percent of surgeons, twenty nine percent of I hate this word, anesthesiologists. The fact is we have not lodged positive income tax returns since the year 2000. Every year since then, we've gone negative, negative, negative. Now it's losing. Big one here in GFC, cut back severely. Why? Because it's a losing business. When times are tough, you can't afford to have a losing business. In that one year in 2008, the middle class lost $13 billion. It's the middle class that are losing. It's not the rich. They don't lose. They don't. They don't go out there and buy losing businesses. And that's what you're doing when you're negative gearing. You know, you get into this spiral where the first property you you, you buy, you know, it's negatively geared. You have to cut back on your expenses and other things to be able to afford it. You hope it's going to go up in value. Maybe you get a pay rise down the track. You know, you you gain a bit of equity, whatever. You might be able to get another one. You might even be able to get another. You might even be able to go achieve four. But the fact is you're going to get into a case where you've invested yourself into a corner and you can't move. You can't go any further. Two in every three um, investors are actually negative gearing. And you put it into their, their um, how much they earn. 50, 56% of people that are negative gearing earn less than $80,000 a year. They shouldn't be negative gearing. 33% earn less than $52,000 a year. This is ridiculous. And look at this. Some people, less than 20 grand a year, there's 200,000 people earning less than, than $20,000 a year and they are negatively geared. It's crazy, crazy. 90.8% 90 of investors only ever end up with one property. Why? Because they're negative gearing. They can't afford any more. 7.5% end up with somewhere between uh, three to four. 1.7% end up with more than five. Not very many people end up with a lot of properties because they can't afford to because they're negative gearing. And of the whole population, 93.5% of the population are not investors. I mean, look at our tax rates. We've got a big chunk here at the bottom. These are the new tax rates for this financial year. The first 18,000 tax free, 18,000 to 45,000 is going to be at 19 cents a dollar. 45,120 is at 32 and a half cents, and it goes up from there. You've got, we've got low tax rates. Let's get out there and make money. In fact, let's have a look at an example between the two people. One negatively gears, one doesn't. Have a look at this. Let's take Kevin and Julia. Kevin goes out and buys a negatively geared investment property, $10,000 a year, negatively geared. Julia goes and buys a property, it's $10,000 a year, positively geared, okay? They both earn $100,000 a year. So Kevin goes out, he's got his $100,000 salary. He gets his negative gearing benefit of his 10 grand. So he's only paying tax on $90,000. So the amount that he gets after tax is $70,000 a year after tax, okay? Julia goes out and buys a positively geared property. She still earns 100 grand a year, but she has to pay tax on $110,000. She's going to pay more tax. But after tax, she ends up with 83. She ends up $13,500 better off than Kevin. That's got to speak volumes to you. Got to speak volumes. 
And when we start to look at the positive gearing, gearing spiral, the first property you buy puts you in a better position because you've got more money. You're doing manufacturing growth, you get even more equity to get into the next one. Banks like you more because you've got more money, you've got more serviceability. Then that gets you into another one. That gets you another one. Gets you, another, you can fill your whole portfolio because you're actually making money. You're not losing money on purpose. Negative gearing is dumb. Sorry to all those people in negative gearing, but it's dumb. So when I ask those questions to you, do you have a plan? Have you got an active business plan in place right now that you are working on to replace your income? Because if you haven't, you need to take action to get that happening. Most people are a sea of red, 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 red. Sea of red, as I can see coming up. So let's move across to growth because I, I want to get everybody off to go and have their lunch at a reasonable time. Let's talk about growth now. Now, in the growth sector, again, I'm going to ask you three questions. And my first question is this. Do you have your next three manufactured growth strategies mapped out? Do you know what they're going to be? Red, amber, or green? Give it to me in the chat room. Okay, next question. Do you use the 3 plus 3 plus 3 equals 21 focus model to target investments? Now, if you don't think that 3 plus 3 plus 3 equals 21... You're red. There's a methodology behind that. Do you consistently make more money than the market? And I'm going to add here, even on your home. Chances are not. You just get whatever the market gives you. You see, there's three types of growth properties. There's a direct property. That means you go out there, you buy it, and you immediately make money. There's the natural growth where you're waiting for a market to move. And then there's manufactured growth. And manufactured growth is really where it's at. That's where you can control your speed of growth. Natural growth is very, very slow because you've got to wait for something to happen that you can't control. And buying well, well, there's strategy around that. Let's have a look at these three, a few examples in each. The first one is a direct growth deal. So the minute this property was bought, it was worth more than they paid for it because the land underneath it was worth more than what they paid for the house and the land. They sold the house for $40,000 and then the vacant land underneath itself was worth $870,000. They only paid eight hundred and fifteen dollars for the whole lot. So it's an immediate uplift there of $95,000. So it's in a case, okay, well, what am I going to do with that money? Am I going to use it to pay down debt or am I going to use it to get into the next deal? Natural growth is slow. But there are things that you can do to, to target areas that are going to have more growth than others. I want to show you here a little example of a couple who was sitting in that audience when I was on stage saying, these Yanks don't know what they're talking about. And I said, we are in for a, a big uplift. They were going to sell their property that they had in Sydney, in Western Sydney. Um, and they decided not to after listening to me. They joined I Love Real Estate. And this is, this is uh, what they did. So. There was a particular area in Sydney when I was talking about grid variance analysis with my students that I said, this area is going to grow and these are the reasons why and whatever else. And they did their own grid variance analysis, et cetera. So uh, straight after the, um, the boot camp, they got their education, they started to implement it. And uh, the first property they bought, 
Now, they were using natural growth, which is not my favorite strategy, but it, I'll show you how by targeting areas you can do this. This particular property they bought for $676,000. Three years later, I've just done a three-year time span to show you, it was worth $1.2 million. So by doing grid variance analysis and, and becoming the area expert like I teach you to do, that's, that's really highlighting what happened to the Sydney property market when the, um, you know, the Americans were saying, sell all your properties. Crazy thing to do, right? $500,000 uh, profit over three years. The next one they bought in year two. So all they did was buy one property a year. So in year two, they bought this one for 840, uh, sorry, for 646. And it, uh, two years later, it's worth 840. That's a growth of 145 in two years. Um, the third property they bought in the third year paid 665 for it. One year later, 850, $120,000 profit. So you can see there that by targeting the grid variance analysis areas and by, by doing the work and the analysis due diligence, you can actually target little hotspots and pick up on that microeconomic explosion that happens. I was on stage saying this was the reality. We were going to get a property tidal wave, and we did. So when I talk terminology here, what I often say is a chunk deal. You got to have a chunk deal. Now, a chunk deal is about you creating a chunk of money, whether it's either from a refinance or whether it's from a sale of a property. Now, there's a rule of thumb when you talk about chunk deals. And the first one here is the fact that there's a number of them, but this one is one of them, that you can use your chunk deal to either pay down debt. You can use your chunk money to um, as a deposit into the next property or you can use it to as an income stream. So I'm just going to show you really, really quickly what that might look like. Um, so in this particular case, uh, this, this deal took about eight weeks to do. Um, so after applying the education, this property made $100,000 in eight weeks. It was sold, okay? Eight-week deal, sold, $100,000 profit. Now, if you made a hundred grand in say the next eight weeks, what would you do with the money? Give it to me in the chat room. What would you do if you made a hundred grand out of the, you know, the knowledge in eight weeks? <laughs> Max is still going to Hawaii. I don't know how you're going to get there. It's a long way to swim. <laughs> Growth, reinvest, debt. Okay, buy three properties. All right. Here's another one. This one here took six months to do. So the, the, this one here was a sale. I got a hundred grand in my, in my pocket. I've got to pay tax on it, but who cares? I'm making money, right? This one was took six months to do and it was a refinance because the deal was positive cash flow at the end. They didn't need to sell it. Okay. So it's positive cash flow, made a hundred and about 10 grand a year positive cash flow, made $141,000 in uplift. Okay. And then the next one, and I'm just going to show you this as a bit of an income stream. Let's say you did this deal. It took you 12 months to do, okay? It made you $300,000, which is what this deal did. Took 12 months, made $300,000. Let's say you're on a salary of $100,000 a year. If you did that deal while you're still working, you'd have three years now to make that money again, to make your salary. So effectively... That one deal pays three years of your salary, or if you're working um, 40 hours a week, 48 weeks a year, that's 1,920 hours. Imagine if you were able to dedicate 1,900 hours to doing a deal. What kind of deal could you do? What kind of deals? 
could you do? And the reality is that when you do a chunk deal, you can actually use it that way. So you've got three years then to get out there, do some deals to make your next $100,000 salary. The problem is financing. Because once you quit your job, they don't count this as an income stream. They count that as a one-off profit from a banking perspective. But there are ways around that. And I teach you how to do that and how you can actually have that uh, you know, from a financing perspective, but not for today, too advanced for today. There's a few traps when we start talking about growth. And the first one is that most people think they have to negatively gear in order to have a growth property. That is so wrong. Have a look at this. That property there is on the Gold Coast um, and it's $34,000 a year positively geared. This property is in Melbourne. It is $45,000 a year positively geared. This property is in Brisbane. It's $22,000 a year positively geared. All of these are growth areas, right? I'm not talking whoop whoop. This one here is a Sydney property, Western Sydney, $5,000 a year positive cash flow. This one here is in Adelaide, $25,000 a year positive cash flow. And this one here is just the south coast of, of Sydney, $190,000 in passive income. Having growth does not mean you have to negatively get. And if you think it, it does, it just means you just don't know enough yet. We've got to get you a little bit more educated, I'm afraid. Trap number two. I am so negatively geared, I can't do anything. Absolute rubbish. Even if you've invested yourself into the worst corner ever, there's still plenty of stuff to do. Take these guys. They were negatively geared $90,000 a year. So one of their salaries was in its entirety went to paying off debt. They had to earn 90 grand a year before they could afford to eat. Now, what happens if one of them loses a job? What happens if one of them gets sick? What happens if one of them has a baby? You know, they're up the poo creek. But in a very short space of time, they turned that around to $27,000 positive, which is $117,000 turnaround. Have a listen to their story. So our situation we joined, uh, we were on 16 properties and negative 90,000 negatively geared. So we were uh, in a difficult position and we didn't even think about positive cash flow and yeah, didn't really uh, think it was actually real. Yeah, getting educated has really definitely helped us a lot understand where we need to be and what we need to do going forward. Okay, so we're sitting at 11 properties at the moment, about eight mil, equity about four mil. So from being negatively geared up to 90 grand, we're about neutrally geared now, but from December onwards, we'll be about 27K positive, which is, which is great. And we'll get better from there. Yes. Good on you. Next trap I want to talk about is that you need money to make money. People say this because they don't know. They're not educated and they're just making excuses for their own circumstances. It's absolute crap. Take this, this deal here. This is um, a student who was on the disability pension. She, um, you know, she had foster kids. She looked after. She had an illness and she learned. She studied. She got herself educated first, and then she started to, to learn grid variance. She learned feasibilities, reverse fees, and she found deals that worked. And she started to pass them on to other students for a spotter's fee. Um, then she started to do deals as a joint venture with other students. This was one of the joint venture deals. This deal made $200,000 profit. So that's $100,000 to the person, the, the joint venture student who put the money up and the financing to buy the deal. 
she got $100,000 for finding it and coordinating it. And she was on a disability pension. You know, there are no excuses. The, your, your excuse is, is shaded by your limited knowledge. Get yourself educated. That's where your world starts to open up. Trap number four is it's not possible to create wealth fast. Well, that's not the case either. Have a look at these guys. These are the little dynamos, these pair. They make typically somewhere between twenty dollars to $120,000 every four to, four to 12 weeks. $107,000 profit on that one, 90 days. $60,000 profit on that one, three weeks. $105,000 profit on that one, eight weeks. Um, $100,000 profit on that one, six weeks. You can do it fast if you want. It's You are your only limiting factor. Chap number five, you need to have experience to be a property investor. No, you don't. It can be taught. You can learn it. Have a look at these guys. These guys um, were professionals. I think they were optometrists from memory. Um, and they studied hard. They got a career, all the rest of it. When babies came around, they wanted to have some time off. They wanted to earn an income and be a stay-at-home mum, or she did. So um, that was meant that she had to earn an income while she was at home. Now, property is a great thing to do that with. These two deals they did at the same time, one made around 400, the other one made about $300,000. She could coordinate it all from home, does one day a week work just to keep a hand in, in a career. You know, it changes lives. Now that's far more than she was earning as an optometrist, you know, far more. And, and they're the deals that, that, you know, she's got going on. <laughs> Doing property is risky. No, it's not. You have to start small and build up. You know, do, do what you can. Do what your knowledge allows. And as you grow and gain more confidence and gain more knowledge, then you can step up. Don't just, don't just jump for the, you know, the shiny object syndrome and go for the, the big killer deal that could go wrong. Let's build you up. Most of you, well, actually, no. All of you on the call today could do this deal. It made $280,000 profit. Whether you're doing it in your own right or whether you're doing it as a joint venture, you could do that deal in the next 12 months. You could do this one here, $250,000 on that deal. There's a lot of learning in here, but I can teach you that. This one made $600,000. This one here made six fifty. dollars And the couple who did this deal, um, they ended up with a home that they could live in, in the suburb they wanted to be in with no debt. And they were under 30. Might have been 32, something like that pretty young anyway. Imagine that. PPR deal. You've got to actually start thinking about doing your own home as a deal as well, not just live in the McMansion with the McMortgage. This is a hundred thousand, this is a million dollar profit on this one. If you want to go bigger, I can take you bigger. If you want to go to a profit like this, like one of the shoots, I can take you there as well. You've got to start wherever you can start. I was talking to one of my finance strategists the other day and he was saying that, you know, he'd just seen a student who three years ago, they did a, a little deal in regional New South Wales and made, I don't know, $80,000 profit or something or other. Three years later, they're doing a, a construction, a, a development deal in Sydney, and the profit on that is about $800,000. So wherever you're starting from, risk management does have to come into it, but that's part of the strategic plan. And you've got professionals to help you with all of that. I can't do this. If that's what you think, you're right. You can't. Somebody else can, but you can't. Why? 
because that's what you've got in your head. You're the one who's holding you back. Nobody else, only you. So when I ask you these questions, if you've got any shade of red in there, you have to make a change. Because what your knowledge to this point, it's got you to where you are. It can't take you any further. Otherwise, you would already be in the position you need to be in. You actually need to know more in order to be able to get a better result. So when we look at the, the property genius models, I've just picked a few little things out of there to share with you today. But you can see most people are going to be like this. Most people are in that red zone. But you all have to be in this zone in order to actually live the kind of life you want to live. As you can see, building wealth is just as important as cash flow and just as important as getting all of those structures and fundamentals right. You see, it's the combination of the three that make up the property genius blueprint. Now, it has not just the three fundamentals, you've got nine primary accelerators, and then beyond that, there are a multitude of multipliers. And that's what we go through in all of our, our hardcore training. And uh, you know, really being able to set you up so that you can put that business plan into play, place along with you know, our professionals, our accountants, our lawyers, our strategists, our coaches, etc., to really set you up for the absolute maximum that you can do in the shortest space of time. It accelerates time for you. So I hope you enjoyed that one. I'm gonna be back again to uh, with part six. So listen out for that one.